Welcome back to Bird's Eye View. When it comes to the Orioles, this weekly podcast is your official source for a lack of insight and for baseless opinion. Today is April 3rd, and this is episode 358. My name is Scott Magnus. And I'm Jake English. On this week's show, we'll squeeze every last drop of baseball goodness from the opening series and then drop it. And uh, yeah, we'll find a way to fumble the ending in the most agonizing way possible. Absolutely. Welcome to Bird's Eye View. Welcome to Bird's Eye View. We'll do that all right after we lubricate the show, not for the show. It's time for the drink of the week. Scotty, what are you drinking this week? Uh, I've got a Flying Dog Chesapeake Wheat American uh, American Wheat. Uh, it's not bad. It's actually been in my fridge for a pretty long time. Um, bottled, oh my goodness, bottled in um, August of 2022. Scotty, I don't know what this says about me. I don't let beer stay in my fridge that long because I watch the Orioles. I have a confession to make. Mm-hmm. I'm not a fan of wheat. This is not that bad. It's not that weedy. Of the wheats, it is not bad. Yeah. But I, I, I'm not I'm not a wheat fan. I'm almost wondering, because I've had this before, and I didn't come away, like, wild by it. But letting it sit in the bottle for way past its supposed expiration date, I'm wondering if I matured slightly. It's bread. You're drinking bread. Oh, boy, what a bread. <laughs> uh, I, myself, am drinking a gin and tonic... I am drinking uh, some gray whale gin that came from my sister's house. She said, I won't drink this. Please do. But give me the bottle back. It's just too pretty to recycle. Did you know that I found this beer in the bakery aisle? Read the label and it made me smile. If you're curious to see what we're drinking on a daily or weekly basis, feel free to follow us on Untapped. I'm at Jake E4025. I'm at MAGN8606. And with that, let's dabble on over into the medical wing. All right, so uh, kicking us off in the medical wing, well, I think we've got to talk about what happened this season. Actually, you know, after after coaching 12U baseball, my my left arm is a little sore at the shoulder, but I think I'm going to push through with some ibuprofen. Thank you for, for mentioning it, though. That's great. We're not exactly sure if Kyle Bradish is going to be able to push through it. I'm sorry, what? Uh, yeah, so Kyle Bradish was pitching this evening uh, uh-huh. on a Monday uh-huh. evening. Yeah, checks out. 104-mile-per-hour yeah. uh, you know, hit ball came back. Hit him on his ankle slash foot. He got up, threw a practice pitch, immediately came out of the game. Now, I'm not an expert. Mm-hmm. That sounds suboptimal. It was suboptimal. Now, he did you know, walk off the field with some help. Um, and then as soon as he got into the dugout, he looked like Lamar Jackson after coming out for the rest of the season. <laughs> you just pick at scabs is what you do. So Scott Magnus, Kyle, nice to meet you. Kyle Bradish is uh, ailing, and we don't know just yet. So let's let's not overreact just yet. Let's, let's not overreact or uh, or underreact. And and let's take take another gander through the medical wing. I understand that Jorge Mateo also had an ouchie. Was day to day. Is is he also uh, on his way to dead? Uh, no, he's he's in the lineup. Um, apparently, getting spiked in Boston is not a career killer. Apparently, hmm. um, so imagine that. All right, fair enough. I, I will be honest, I don't know the answer to this question a lot. Mm-hmm. Let, let me peel back the curtain here, listeners. Sure. Very often, one of us will ask a question that we know the answer to just to make conversation. 
I don't know the answer to this question, and I apologize. When does James McCann become alive again? Mm. He's on the 10-day IL. It was backdated to a day. I heard that he was in uh, Texas and, and running around on the field. So is he close to being back? He's allowed to come off the IL on Thursday for the home opener. Thursday for the home opener. Okay. Okay. That's great. So he'll get the start on Thursday? Absolutely. Ali Rutschman will be on the bench. Nice. Nice. The other residents of the medical wing are probably going to be there for a little while. Dylan Tate, do you think he'll come back at the end of his 15-day IL stint? Absolutely not. No. I don't, I don't think so either. I mean, I, Dylan Tate's not coming back until mid-May, I think is the date that they threw out. May 2nd. Yeah. Yeah. Michael or, Givens is, I think, maybe the other one that has a possibility, but I don't think either one of those is anywhere close to being coming back. Well, you know, Dylan Tate may also not be back until after they finally say, okay, you need Tommy John surgery. That's true. That's a good possibility. Yikes. Well, you know, at least John Means will be coming back at the end of the All-Star break, hopefully, and, you know, he can coach up Dylan Tate up what the recovery period looks like. Yikes. It's the magic of Orioles baseball. With that, let's leave the medical wing, please. And head directly into Orioles baseball, 280 characters at a time this week. On the doji. Uh, let's start off with the first tweet. This tweet comes from Locked on Orioles. And the tweet goes as follows. This was called a hit by pitch after replay review. And of course, this is the hit by pitch in the Red Sox game where the ball never even touched the uh, player except for the bat. Um, and it was determined a hit by pitch. Why have review? If it's going to be this ineffective. Let me ask you this question. I was watching this. I don't know how I feel about this. It's definitely not a hit by pitch. There's no doubt about that. If the glove comes up that far, though, and braces against the bat, though, is it catcher's interference? Okay. That's a possibility. That's a possibility. I'm going to, I'm going to watch this in real time. So it catches it, and then the, obviously the glove hits the bat. That is possible. That is a possible call. The thing is, though, is that... It has, his his it, bat is way back in the zone. Yeah. And so he wasn't trying to swing. Right. And as we know from catcher's interference, you've got to at least be kind of forecasting a swing. You can't just swing downwards is the best way to describe it. Right. It. So I, I do agree with you. Like, in, in the strictest interpretation, and as much as we hate catcher's interference from the Buck Showalter era, um, I don't think this is catcher's interference. But I wanted to raise that kind of question out loud of a glove and, and bat do come in contact but i agree with you i would not call this catcher's interference yeah it sends to me that uh, new york thinks that the orioles should pay more mass and money to the nationals or new york just doesn't want to make jake english happy there's that as yeah. well all right our next tweet uh comes from mazin orioles with a z at the end if it makes any anyone feel any better we started last year the victims of a sweep at the trop in which nothing seemed to go our way and there was no reason to expect anything to improve. All right. I'm, I'm offended by this tweet, Scott. Is, is the author of this tweet telling me that I can't manage my emotions in such a way that a 162-game season is not forecast by its first three games? I'll be honest with you. I, if you were to have held a, a gun to my head on this one, I would have been like, yeah, the Orioles won their first series. Um, I would not have expected that we got sweeped at the race. But yeah, I mean, you're absolutely right that, you know, we'll get into this a little bit later, but yeah, I mean, one series does not make a season, but critical advice from Orioles fan Ryan at Orioles fan Ryan. Wait a minute, who? Formerly Probs. Oh, with a Z. Um, This might be a hot take, but I think if the Orioles want to start winning baseball games, they should stop giving up nine runs in all of them. Now that 
the advice that I think we should be following. Hang on, let me let me work on the math there. One second. Carry the one. Do you need the epicus? All right, our next tweet comes to us from Rose Mountcastle at Naturally Cats 11, and she writes as follows. My understanding of the Orioles at Fenway lore says that Ramon Urias striking out five times means that he is now going to become the game's winning pitcher. That, Scott, that does check out. That does seem accurate. History is on her side on this one. I believe that that is correct information. And the fact that we were robbed of that experience... I'm also still a little disappointed that we didn't get a Sam Horn out of this situation. I mean, when you get to five, I'm like, oh, get a six one to get the Sam Horn. Although Rockabaco did point out that Sam Horn was the last that had six strikeouts in seven plate appearances. Urias with five strikeouts and five plate appearances is an even rarer situation. Nice. Yeah. Does that mean we get to name it after him? Oh, the Urias? I think if a leadoff hitter has five strikeouts and five plate appearances, it should be called a Urias. I... We can workshop this. Yes. I'm not clever enough to do it on my feet, but I, I feel like we can come up with a, a good name for this. We'll we'll have to uh, we'll All have right. to farm this we'll out. We'll farm this out. All right. Well, it was we'll call it a, a tragic weekend, as it were. Um a lot of excitement for the first game and then some some bitter case of reality on Saturday and Sunday. And a lot of Orioles Nation decided to go and um, you know, get up in arms about both Saturday and Sunday's aspect. Oh, I'm sorry, it. did we have feels? We had a lot of feels and a lot of belly aching and moaning. So we here as the Orioles ambassadors of belly aching and moaning are going to take a quick break and then we're going to come back and let you know whether you're overreacting or underreacting on each of these topics. Jake, I'm mad. I'm really, really mad. No, no, I think I think you're you're not mad. You're really, really not mad. No, I'm really, really mad. No, it's just three games. I think I think you're the opposite of Jake, not mad. I've been a fan since 1983. <laughs> this is the straw that broke the camel's back. Three games. Yeah. It sucks to lose the two. It absolutely does. We have so Especially much Especially against season. a division rival. We've got so much season to go. You know, I think, um, you know, it, it comes to the point, and I think a few folks were making this of, everyone believes that Boston is going to be worse than the Orioles, and everyone looks at this and says, this is a series that you have to win against a poor opponent. And I get that. I understand where they're coming from, but it's still the AL East. You're still playing road games. It is what it is, but... I hate playing games in Fenway Park. Just yeah. weird crap happens there. Well, fortunately for you, uh, we only have one more series in Fenway Park for the rest of the uh, season now. Thank God. Yeah. So, again, disappointing, but there was a lot of called hot takes on Saturday and Sunday. Classic Orioles Twitter fashion. Orioles fans had hot takes? Imagine that. Whoa. So the first one, you know, I think this is not so much from this weekend, but from tonight... One comment is the Orioles are in serious trouble with the injury to Kyle Bradish. All right, so Scotty, is that statement overreacting or underreacting? I think it's overreacting. 
I love Kyle Bradish. I think Kyle Bradish is actually one of the better arms in the, bull, uh, in, the in the rotation. But again, if we're looking at you know Norfolk, you've got Grayson Rodriguez, you've got Dio Hall, who's still stretching out. This is why you have to have additional starting pitching. So I, I don't want Kyle Bradish to be hurt. In fact, I hope that he comes back and they look like, well, he actually doesn't need to miss his next start. But you know the likelihood is he's probably going to have to miss at least one more start. So I don't think it's that big of a deal. I think it's in that st- standpoint of, you know, this is why the Orioles have depth in AAA to pull up. Yeah, the other thing that and we were just talking about this off mic a little bit ago is that it was not that long ago that managers had to operate with a 25-man roster. Mm-hmm. And so I think if you have a, a an injury to a starting pitcher and you have to do without him or do without a reliever for a short period of time, they can probably cobble that together for just a little bit. I'm not sure that losing a starting pitcher for a a start, probably, is going to break the camel's back. Now, if Kyle Bradish is down for longer, right, mm-hmm. if, it, if it held off the ankle instead sure. of the calf or if there's what a, have you. If there's a break instead of a bruise, then, yeah, that's a little bit more of a concern. But I still think, you know, you look at the given rotation and you look at the depth that you have in AAA and you say, we can manage. Again, think about last year when John Means went down. I was like, we're done. Like, there's no chance this team comes back. I mean, the Orioles were able to cobble something together in order to make it work. So I'm not willing to overreact to this one yet. Like I said, I want to see what happens with the Bradish injury. And again, I feel like the Orioles have a little bit more depth at this point to kind of play with. All right. Well, let me ask you about this over or under reaction. Scott, the Orioles starting rotation has Matt Harvey disease. This is an underreaction. Now, when we say Matt Harvey disease, I, I feel like we should specify that I'm talking about not being able to get out of the fifth inning, not being able to get to six plus seven innings in a start. Poor Canelo's dose. It's also about giving up a ton of runs and being Homer happy as well. I'm proud of you. Not where I thought you were going yeah. with that. The question then becomes overreaction or underreaction? you say it's an underreaction? I think it's an underreaction. I mean, you look at what the Orioles pitching did um, against a very good lineup in, in the Red Sox, but not a breakout lineup. You have to be concerned. I mean, I know it's only three games, but we said it all offseason. The pitching is going to make or break this team. Scott, the, the Orioles clearly didn't need to go out and get better pitching. Right. It was liftoff. It was liftoff. And they chose to express that liftoff by Kyle Gibson, who went five innings, and Cole Irvin, who went four innings, and that's going to be good enough. Yeah. So I don't think this is an overreaction. I think this is an underreaction where you've got to look at the talent that's on your team and say, mm, what's going on? And certainly the team was not helped by, we'll call it, defensive woes, which we'll get to in a little bit. But again, there were a lot of pitches left in the middle of the zone that were not great. I have predicted boldly, boldly. in our last episode that this, the quality of the starting pitching is going to surprise us. It's going to be a, it's going to be a pleasant, Ple- surprise. pleasant surprise. So I think this is an aberration. I think this is a small sample size, small sample, sample size. I think it is, you know, the, the cold, the, the chill of April. And it is my great hope that we will we will see stretched out uh, performances from a lot of the staff. I think that Gibson and Irving can be depended upon for some innings. Bradish and Kramer both went deep in mm-hmm. the games late in the season, and I hope we get more of that. I really hope that we're singing a different tune. But boy, that first series, not, not fun to watch. Not fun to watch. All right, what about this one? 
Outfield defense is going to be a serious concern for the Orioles in 2023. No, not buying it. No. I think this is a major overreaction. I don't know what was going on um, in that first series. There were weird routes being taken to balls. I might even get into the whole dropping situation, but just some really weird plays. I mean, there was the one where Mullins, you know, if he just goes to the wall and catches it, you're, you're, you're staving off some runs. So I can't imagine the outfield defense is going to be this bad. I'm just going to chalk it up to just first series, Fenway, weirdness bounds. Yeah, you look at, at Mullins and, and Hayes, you look at McKenna, I, those are quality outfielders. Yeah. I think Santander is not as good as those guys in the outfield, but he's he's not going to hurt you no. out there. Uh, you know, every Taryn Vavra is is interesting because he was not a an outfielder by trade. But I think that our outfield is going to be a strength and not a weakness. It's just we got hit by weirdness. We got hit by Boston in Fenway weirdness. Completely agree. Jake, um, another one that was, you know, kind of commented on was Brandon Hine getting a little too cute with lineup matches versus lefties. What do you think? Over or underreaction? I think this is an underreaction. Mm-hmm. And I say that because you and I, I don't think we have defended Brandon Hyde. I don't think we're Brandon Hyde apologists. I think we simply don't attack where there's no reason to. But one of the things that I, I don't love about Brandon Hyde's decision-making is that I feel like he tries to load up the lineup against lefties mm-hmm. with right-handed hitters uh, a little too much. And so we want to see Stowers. We mm-hmm. want to see Vabra. I want to see a lineup against lefties that doesn't try too hard. We already have good hitting. Hitting is not going to be the problem with this team. So, yeah, I, th- I think Brandon Hyde gets a little too cute for his own good. So you think this is an underreaction? Yeah, yeah. I think this is a little bit of an overreaction, personally. I think this is one of those matters where, in general, we used to rail up against lineup construction all the time. But in reality, you know, besides Urias batting leadoff, which is the only kind of question mark that I would have, I don't really mind the lineup choices to date. Urias batting leadoff makes no sense to me. And that's before even the 5K incident. I just don't understand that move. There's so many other people that you get bad lead off while you're putting Urias. So that felt like a little bit of a reach to me. But overall, on a whole, I think Hyde's lineup has actually been pretty decent. Okay. Next, this is this is good stuff. Adam Frazier actually was a good signing. Man, there's been so many people talking about Adam Frazier. And let's just quickly go through his numbers for, for the week. Uh, he has had nine plate appearances. 625 average, 666 on-base percentage, 842 WOBA, 438 uh, weighted runs created plus, one home run, five runs scored, two RBIs, and a stolen base. That's a that's a pretty good week. It's, Much less three games. It's nine plate appearances. Yeah. All right, so I, I get it. I'll tell you what really bothers me. Yes, he's had some decent at-bats. Nothing with major power except for that one home run. Here's what bothers me. I have not been impressed by his defense yet. Have you looked at him and been like, wow, he's got great range or anything like that? Because I'm looking at him like, eh, he's okay, but he's not like great, it seems like. So I have to admit that I've been working really hard to to remain a little more neutral yeah. than my than my bias allows. Because I, I was puzzled by the signing. Yep. I think everybody is. I didn't think it served a purpose, and I would much rather see other people at second base. Sure. And so every time I see him play in the field, my first inclination is like, well, what's so special there? And I'm like, nope, nope, take a step back. 
I know you'd rather see Ramon Urias so that Henderson can play third. I know you'd much rather see Taron Vavra. Uh, okay, give him some time sure. to wow you. Because maybe we will look at Adam Frazier and we will see a J.J. Hardy, mm-hmm. a guy who makes all the plays he's supposed to. He's in the places where he's supposed to be. He gets there. And- I'm sorry, I'm just going to turn you off for a second. Did you just compare him to J.J. Hardy? First of all, your wife will never go up to Adam Frazier and grope him, okay? Never. <laughs> maybe, we'll, <laughs> maybe we'll see a guy who, who uh, is a quiet contributor defensively. Maybe we'll see that. that. That's what I'm hoping. I think we can finally admit that we have lost the Manny Machado trade after watching Dean Kramer pitch. Oh, my goodness. First and foremost, <laughs> first and foremost, I, I don't think that there's anything that Kramer can do to win that trade. Oh, okay. Wow. I think the trade was already well lost, uh, and the only thing that Kramer is capable of doing is salvaging a little bit of our pride and good feelings Okay. in, a, in an already cataclysmic trade. Gotcha. So you've already admitted defeat. Oh, absolutely. I'm an Orioles fan. So you're just looking for the participation ribbon at this point. I want it to sting a little less. Gotcha. So you just want a little aloe vera. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And if he can provide that on the next great Orioles team, awesome. But the Manny Machado trade really didn't help us get there. I will point out this. Now I'm thinking about it. Um, if a certain podcast is listening to this episode, aloe vera would be an excellent name going forward for Dean Kramer. Aloe vera. <laughs> excellent. All right. Our next over slash under reaction Grayson Rodriguez is pitching both in spring training and in his first yeah. start in the minors justifies the Orioles roster decision. So his, his last minor league start, he went what three innings at most. And I think he gave I up think it was four. Yeah. Was it four? And he gave up multiple hits. I think he had four walks, mm. two K's. I think he gave up a home run. I think it was only two run runs though off the top of my head, but still it, it was not a impeccable performance. And there was a lot of commentary about he didn't have feel for his breaking balls and he had a little bit of command issues um, on the given evening. Um, and, and people continue to point out like, well, you know, Tyler Wells had a better spring training than Grayson Rodriguez, so he deserves to be up here. This is extremely overreacting in my opinion. This is carrying water for the Orioles where they don't need it. Exactly. Look, I, I get it and I understand that, you know, you might be like, well, we want to make sure that Grayson Rodriguez has all his pitches together. But again, do you want him to be figuring it out in the minors or do you want him to be figuring in the majors? Me personally, even if he gets wrecked in the majors, I want to see it in the majors. Like I want him to face major league talent that is going to challenge him so that he has to adapt his form in order to be better. Like I don't think he's learning anything down there. And if it's just touch, then honestly he should only be down there for a start or two just to get touch. The fact that we're going back to spring training stats and being like, well, his spring training stats were, were terrible by this basis, like Brian Mattis should have been like a Cy Young candidate in many spring trainings and not even close. I have to tell you, I don't know that I can be satisfied by anything but greatness. And I realize how unfair that is, but I'm disappointed that... Hey, hey, look in the mirror. <laughs> you want to see greatness? Look in the mirror. I'll do that every day. I'll just make sure to put a picture of your wife in the mirror. I'm d- <laughs> disappointed that uh, Grayson Rodriguez was sent to the minors and I didn't get to watch him. However, if he comes up and he struggles, that will also be really hard to watch because I all I'll be able to I I there is no way that Grayson Rodriguez can come up to the majors and struggle 
and I won't find a small part, not a, a not insignificant part of right. me worrying that I'm watching the next Brian Mattis sure. or Hayden Penn or Garrett Olson yep. or Zach Britton before he was great yep. or, 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 yep. or, or. Yeah. That will be incredibly hard to watch. I, I get you completely. I also come back to looking at the beginning of, you know, when Adley Rutschman came up to the majors and he struggled. Everyone was like, well, maybe he needs to go back to Norfolk for a little bit more seasoning. It's just like, no. Or maybe he just needs to get comfortable with the majors and just, you know, go out and have a few more plate appearances. And sure enough, after those, I think it was like 40 plate appearances, imagine that. He was the player that everyone expected him to be. And yes, the command is a little off right now, but you don't demote stuff. You basically say, we're going to have stuff work itself out. When Mike Messina was brought up in the early 90s, he had many games where he would go you know, four or five innings and have a rough start. Do you think the Orioles in 93 ever said, eh, maybe we should send him back down because he had some issues with command? No, but the Orioles were definitively trying to win in the 90s. Mm, that's a good point. That is a difference. That is a difference. All right. So the other aspect from a pitching standpoint is we should be worried about the bullpen. They can't be expected to duplicate last season, and so far they have looked a Abysmal. I think it might be an underreaction. I think it might be an underreaction too. And this kind of comes back to our predictions episode where I thought, you know, to a certain regard that the Orioles bullpen over, you know, extended themselves last season. Everyone kept saying that. Overperformed. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm not saying that they're going to be as bad as they were during the Red Sox series. Are you, are you saying that we are not going to give up nine runs in 162 yeah, games? But I also don't think we're going to have shutout performances. I mean, there were many games there that the bullpen would come in and throw five, six innings pitch without a run given up. I just don't see that being realistic on a, on a long-term basis. Um, you know what I think will help? Sure. If the starting staff has Matt Harvey disease, mm, that's true. bullpen will be great. Absolutely. Nothing like overworking your bullpen. Absolutely. Yeah. So we're both saying this is an underreaction that the bullpen may be in trouble based off of current aspects. A grave underreaction. Okay. You know who else is struggling so far early this season is Gunnar Henderson, who currently has no hits on the season. I'm sorry, one more time? Uh, no hits. That's good, right? Oh, well, he does have some walks, but no hits. Hmm. How do you feel about your potentially number five hitter? Not having any hits. I think it's three games. I think this is an overreaction. I think that it is not reasonable to expect a straight climb to, to greatness from this player right away. But I think what we've seen from Gunnar Henderson shows us that he is going to perform at this level. And I think that he's just off to a slow start I in agree. three games. I agree with you. I mean, I, I look at his standpoint um, and I'm like, Okay, he's he's obviously got you know a great eye on the plate right now. He's just not quite coming together. I agree that you know the BABIP is going to work itself out over time. And I mean, you you brought up Adley Rutschman, and not that they're the same player; sure. that he's going to be the same caliber of player. But it's the same experience as a rookie works it out, even without any hits. In this, we'll call it small sample size, as you point out, four twenty nine on base percentage. So again, he's got the plate discipline. He's currently walking 42.9% of his plate appearances. I, I think you're, you're absolutely right. This is just, it's three games. Let's let's move on. All right, here's another uh, statement that we need to either underreact or overreact to. The new rules. Um, outside of, I will say, the pitch clock and, and the extra inning situation, which are a little more, uh, we'll call that contentious. Okay, mm-hmm. so let's, let's just <clears throat> remove those two from the discussion. But outside of the clock and extra innings, the new rules 
haven't really had a noticeably negative impact on the game. I think this is even more so in other direction, even including the cut clock situation. Okay. I, I want to see more of the clock before I make that sure. decision. I want to see it uninterrupted. Mm-hmm. I want to see it uninterrupted on TV because I, I watched opening day and that has been the, the only uh, game I've been able to watch in its entirety. And I, I would like to watch it from home. Yep. I'd like to watch it at the stadium. I'd like to see a couple series worth of Orioles games and the rest of the league, you know, uh, here and there before I'm able to say, no, this is okay. And, and my negative feelings for it were, were unfounded. I I'm capable of, so of you're telling me as an old man, you need to see more in order for you to believe. Yes. Okay. Yes. Just want yes. to make sure. But how, how are those clouds doing by the way? <laughs> Did you yell them away yet? They are still in my yard, and I, I don't know how to get them off my lawn. But outside of yeah. those of those two rules, because again, I am not going to engage. I, I philosophically, no, I'm not I'm not going to participate in that discussion. Yeah. But outside of those two rules, no negative impact to the game. I mean, people can come back and point to the Orioles setting a record for stolen bases in the first two games. I look at it as you know the Red Sox are not very good at keeping people on the bases. Um, and and was six inches the different in difference in any of those steals? You know what? That's a song title in there. We're gonna work on that later on, everyone. But seriously, I mean, you know, you get eighteen inches versus fifteen at first, and eighteen inches versus fifteen at second. You've got the six inches extra, and so if it's a bang bang play, and some of those steals, you know, absolutely wouldn't happen. Okay, yeah, maybe it's having an impact. Maybe the Orioles are taking advantage. I'm gonna be looking for that. Like, how often is it? really close and Mateo and, and Mullins get under there or how much of it is just they're fast. So can I, can I ask a favor here? Sure. Can you watch a little bit more baseball, see if the stolen bases actually matter? And then can you write a song for me that's called six churches is all that matters? No, Please? that's, that's not happening. For no. dongs after dark. No, no <laughs> dongs after dark. I, I might write a short synopsis about six inches. Is all that matters. Six inches is, is always enough. Always enough. <laughs> anyway, I I think it is an underreaction that there's been no negative impact. What what about the shift? I mean, ha, have you looked at games and said, oh wow, the shift is really no, making a difference here? Not at all. Yeah, I haven't seen that either. Yeah. Uh, the next one was the Orioles cannot be beat on opening day. This is a massive overreaction. Oh, Scotty, I disagree. This is a massive underreaction. No, this is a massive overreaction. Orioles can't be beat on opening day. Do you uh, remember the last opening day that they lost? Kevin Gregg. Uh, Michael Gonzalez. Michael Gonzalez. Did they did they win with Kevin Gregg? Uh, they must have. Okay. They must have. But like we're talking what 2000, uh, 2011? Michael Gonzalez. That sounds right to me. Yeah. Eleven or ten. It was before the show. Yeah, it was before the show. Orioles can't be beat on opening day. Okay. Can't happen. Okay. Do you know how many Orioles games I have willed into existence on opening day? That Michael Gonzalez game was against the Yankees, right? I choose not to remember. And we are playing the Yankees uh, for home opening day, right? We've be- we've beaten them regularly. Like okay. a drum on opening day in seasons in which we've been terrible. In fact, one of my favorite. Did you know that Michael Gonzalez is throwing out the first pitch on Thursday? I assume that he is. <laughs> I assume that he's he's throwing every first pitch of my nightmares. Yeah. My one of my favorite opening day memories is the 2009 game mm-hmm. because it was the first game after Mark Teixeira signed with the Yankees, and I feel like that was the first game in a really long time where it was like the Yankees are in town. There are more of us than there are of them in the stands. The fans are really into it. Uh, we have we have people to hate mm-hmm. on the field. 
there was just a really good vibe in the, uh, in the stadium and the team won. Because opening day is always about hating your fellow individuals that root for a rival baseball club. Absolutely. So, Orioles cannot be beat on opening day. So it's a massive underreaction. Jake, finishing this out, opening day is a sellout this year and tickets are going for a premium on the secondary market. Normally going for right around like $100 for standing room only tickets at this given moment. And lo and behold, the Orioles are playing the Yankees and it seems like ticket demand is extremely high from people wanting to watch the Baltimore Orioles. Yeah. So Jake, my question would be, with a weekend series coming up, um, with it being Easter weekend coming up, opening day will be filled with more Yankees than Orioles fans for them spending a long weekend in the Baltimore metropolitan area. Massive overreaction. Massive overreaction, Scott. I have solid logic on this. The reason... Have you been going through people's licenses? <laughs> I car fans all the time. Yeah. The reason that tickets are so expensive, mm-hmm. the reason that the secondary market has just taken off, the reason that people want to get into the ballpark on that day is to see Adam Frazier play. Oh, I thought it was because there's going to be concerts on occasion. <laughs> <laughs> Adam Frazier is what is bringing people into the seats. It is financially for the Baltimore Orioles, Scott. Mm-hmm. It's liftoff. All right. Uh, well, those are some of our overreactions and underreactions. Tell us what we missed. Reach out to us at BirdseyeViewBL and let us know uh, what you're overreacting to or what you're underreacting to or what Orioles Twitter is as well, too. And uh, keep up the communication with us as the week goes along and, and let us know. With that, it is time for the return of, well, the segment that I hate the most and the one that Jake and Derek Arnold love the most. It's time for some Fantasy Balls. That's right, Scotty. Here we are. It's 2023. It is time for a fresh new round of Fantasy Boss. If anyone is listening, and by that I mean if anyone new is listening, uh, what is Fantasy Boss, you may be asking yourself. Well, that's the worst. I'm going to tell you that right now. It's the worst. Great question. Fantasy Boss is a competition between Scott and myself in which each week we pick a category, a stat, and then we decide uh, to pick players, each of us, uh, and see who will perform better or worse in that stat. So we might say, uh, home runs. Who do you think is going to hit the most home runs? And, of course, I would pick Anthony Santander, and, of course, Scott would pick Adam Frazier. And at the end of the week, we'll just find out who won, who uh, was the fantasy boss of that particular week. Um, it doesn't matter. Uh, it doesn't for, matter. It doesn't matter that I uh, win this every season handily. First of all, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, we're going to back up on this handily. There's only been one season where it's been handily. Every single other season, it has come down to the wire. The wire. And uh, somehow, some way, Jake picks a random factor figure and says, we're going to do this. And I was like, that makes no sense based off everything that we've seen all season. And Jake somehow manages to win it. It, uh, it's the magic of Orioles baseball. It, it does go like that a lot. <laughs> so I, I, one of the things that I found interesting over the first three games 
has been the team strikeout mm-hmm. uh, situation. And it's not the folks I would have expected sure. striking out the most and the least. So if you take out Kyle Stowers, who has a single plate appearance with a strikeout for 100% K rate, yep. the, the next leader of the team was Ramon Urias. Yeah, I wonder why. Uh, something we may have talked about. Yeah. And then next was Gunnar Henderson. <laughs> Urias, by the way, had a 38.5% K rate. <laughs> and uh, Henderson was 286 But if you look at the other end, leading the team, it was Cedric Mullins with a 6.7 K rate. And right after that, you had Jorge Mateo. And frankly, I'm a little surprised by that. I am surprised by that too. I'm pleasantly surprised. And so Jorge Mateo is going to be the subject of this week's Fantasy Boss. Okay. We overreacted. We underreacted. And so this week's Fantasy Boss is going to be a straight over-under. Mm. I'm going to set the the K percentage at 15. Okay. So a little bit of regression from his 10 from this week. All right. And so, Scott, I'm giving you, because I've picked the category, you get to pick first. Jorge Mateo, over, under, 15%. So I feel like 10 is really, really good. Uh, so I'm going to go, he's going to be over 15%, and he's going to regress over that point and come back into a more healthy medium. I feel like Mateo is typically like a 20, 22%, like definitely not upper 20s, but we'll call it lower 20s. So I'm going to go gambler's fallacy and just say it's going to be above. All right. I, I think it's, it's wise. Which I, means it's going to be wrong, everybody. If I would you have, do. I would have taken the under if if I had yeah, given the option. Of course, so I'm, I'm happy about this. Which means he's not going to strike at it all this week. Right. Uh, he's going to have six home runs in the week, um, and uh, he's going to have six home runs, and then even in those six home runs, he's going to have thirty stolen bases in this one week as well. Well, you know, Scott, I was worried about that, mm-hmm. and I was also a little worried about the fact that you know, fantasy boss may not have gone the way necessarily that you would have wanted it to. Uh, in the past few years, and so I'm gonna I'm gonna break the rules. All right, I'm gonna throw out a wild card. Oh, okay. It's our first fantasy boss wild card of the season, okay. and so it might not click this week. Mm-hmm. It may not click next week, but when it clicks, mm-hmm. the uh, the person who who made the the correct guess or no, I, I would say educated guess mm-hmm. will will get the point. Okay. And so my question to you, Scott Magnus, is which of the starters do you think will make the first seven inning? appearance uh, i'm gonna guess kyle gibson okay that's a good guess that's a good guess i liked watching kyle gibson i'm surprised to say that but overall watching him on opening day i was just like he's not bad so my guess and again kyle gibson was stretched up pretty far in spring training my guess is gonna be kyle gibson okay i gotta be honest yeah i like cole Irvin for this particular thing yep. if not for tonight yep my answer would have been kyle bradish gotcha yeah, but I am. I'm going to say instead, who's who's supposed to start on opening day? The home opener. I think it was supposed to be Kramer. Well, then Scott, it's going to be Kramer. It's okay. going to go seven full against the Yankees, sending a lot of really unhappy Adam Frazier fans home. Mm-hmm. We're going to say we're going to win the Manny Machado trade. No, but it'll be a little bit of aloe vera, and I'll get a fantasy point. So we have we have set. Uh, the gauntlet, as it were. The main event this week, of course, is Jorge Mateo and his uh, his K percentage. A wild card of the first starter to hit seven innings, and, and whichever of those guys hits first will award the, the wild card. Okay? Yep. All right, and with that, another returning uh, segment. We're going to take a quick break and come back for the good, the bad, and the ugly. 
That's right, it is time for the good, the bad, and the ugly. I'm gonna go ahead and get started, mostly because when it comes to the ugly, Scott's rants far exceed the quality of my own. And my good this week is Cedric Mullins. You know, I have said publicly that I am a little worried about him as a regression candidate for the season, and that could not have been further from the truth in that first three games. We mentioned his very low 6.7K percentage against a 13 walk percentage. 556 Woba, a 264 weighted runs create a plus two home runs and two stolen bases. Yum. Yum indeed. So hopefully that can continue forever and ever and ever. My good for this week is not something that was on the field, but off the field. I really enjoyed the segments this weekend where Melanie Newman went and interviewed the players' wives in the field, off the field, um, and just kind of checked to see, and see how they were going. I thought it can gave a, a good aspect from a, you know, an understanding of you know where they're coming into the season, how you know their lives get changed on this basis. Um, so I really like that. I haven't seen that ever done by Masson, but I thought that was a kind of a cool standpoint. I'm looking forward to them doing that going forward. Yeah, we always talk about the fact that uh, Major League Baseball itself doesn't market its players the way it could, right. and you know these guys are human beings. Okay, I like it. My bad is going to go to Felix Bautista at a rough first game, which I, I think maybe you could excuse that away as being the first first game. Uh, followed by a really rough game in which he responded to an error by giving up a game-winning home run. Uh, I hope that he's going to be fine, but uh, the first first series, he was bad. Yeah, it was just a bad, bad, um, bad few games. My bad's going to go to Dean Kramer. Really just didn't have it going, um, and he just got whacked around. I know he's going to be better. Again, it just, you were looking for Kramer to kind of come out there and establish um, after a game that got a little too close, and, and Kramer couldn't do it. So uh, Kramer's my bad for the week. I knew he was going to bounce back, but I want to see more from him, especially considering that he's supposed to be our best starter um, on the rotation right now. Well, of course he's going to bounce back. He's going to pitch seven innings. No, he's not, but that's okay. My ugly, my ugly goes to losing to the Red Sox in Fenway Park. God, I hate watching that. I hate it. That place is a house of horrors whether it be the Mother's Day Massacre or whatever, it just seems like, you know, they say it all the time on the broadcast that, like, no lead is safe at Fenway Park. It's just a place of dark magic. I hate, hate, hate losing there. Yeah, not, not a fun place to play whatsoever. My ugly has to go to Brian McKenna. It just can't happen. It cannot happen where in that moment you lose focus and you don't use two hands into the glove. I'm, I'm sorry... It's something that is instructed even by yourself, Jake, as a, we'll call it a rudimentary baseball coach of, hey, I'm going to catch the ball, I'm going to see the ball into the glove, and then I'm going to close the glove with two hands just to basically make sure. I could have understand it if, the, if that happens and a ball drops through the game, but on the last out, it's unacceptable. It's as simple as that. It sucks, really, because this is a part-time player, yeah, and usually part-time players do these kind of things mm-hmm. very dependably, yep. right? And the other thing that I think about is, okay, he makes that catch, the Orioles win the ball game. Sure. We're talking about a different series. Yep. Yep, we're talking about a completely different series. So it just can't happen. Would you say it was ugly? It was extremely ugly. Very, very tough to, um, to happen. Let me ask you this question. When he dropped the ball, hmm. were you one of those individuals that said the game is over because the Red Sox are going to hit a home run? No, I think I was I was more one of those people who was like, huh, yeah, now watch the next ball go. Oh, oh. yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't really. 
I think that was the difference. And this kind of comes back to last season. In the Dark Ages, for Dark Ages Orioles baseball, when the ball drops to the field like that, I would immediately have said, the next batter is going to hit a home run. I didn't feel that way. And I think that's the difference between a good baseball team and a bad baseball team. I understand that the bad event happened, but your immediate first thought is not, oh, they're going to hit a home run. And in Dark Ages Orioles baseball, if that would have happened to the Red Sox or the Yankees or anybody, I would have been like, well, this game's over, and we'll just turn it off right there. Yeah, the thing that, that is miserable is being able to script out the losses exactly. ac- accurately. We talked about this last season where it was very difficult to write the team off and script out what was going to happen. And, and again, you know, the team is going to face adversity through the entire season, and they're going to have to move on from this, and they're going to have to learn from this. One game or one series does not make the season. However, it still stinks, and it's hard to go to sleep watching that game. Amen. Yep. All right, that is it. That's the good, the bad, and the ugly. Again, please share with us your good, bad, ugly. We're going to take a quick break and come back and blow the safe. Scotty, I have a great great item of discussion for blowing the safe it doesn't belong anywhere else and that's what this segment is for but scotty we are not alone okay we are not alone in the i would say uh veteran orioles podcast space because some of the ogs are coming back they're coming out of retirement they're filling the airwaves with goodness I, of course, am talking about the triumph. I will say triumphant, triumphant. return of the Baltimoreans. Yeah. As well as Camden Cast. Hey, Camden Cast is back. So <laughs> I would I would beg you all, uh, make sure you're filling your ears with as many, many Orioles podcasts as you can. We we say it constantly. There are so many great people putting out Orioles-related content. You should absolutely finish this episode and then fill your feed with other great shows. And I'm delighted to see returning to those ranks of the Baltimoreans and Camden cast. They are part of what make uh, this space great. And that, that is our show. Remember, you can find this in our entire catalog of indispensable episodes at birdseyeviewbaltimore.com. Bird's Eye View is available for download wherever you get your podcasts. Go to the show on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and many others. Please remember to rate and review the show. Just just drop us a, a review if you can. Just right onto like the left field turf. Um, we appreciate the feedback and it encourages other people to listen for the first time. Come and get social with us. You can email us at contact at birdseyeviewbaltimore.com. You can find us all over social media. We're on Instagram, we're on Facebook, we're on Snapchat, the ticks and the talks. But the best way to get a hold of us is on Twitter, where we tweet at birdseyeviewbal. And with that, Baltimore and beyond, I'll bid you all a fond adieu adieu. Good night, Baltimore. Watch the ball into the glove, and let's go O's. You're still here? It's over. Go home. Go.